Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for the Apple original film, Tetris. I played for five minutes. I still see falling blocks in my dreams. Hey there, my name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for the Apple original film, Tetris. Huge thanks to our friends at Apple for giving us the opportunity to watch this movie early for review. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Now, I'm stoked to get into this review, but just before we do, I want to let you know if you're like us and you love the world of Star Wars, we have our Watch Club series where we break down episodes weekly by giving our thoughts and theories along the way. Uh, And our Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2 Watch Club is wrapping up this week with the final two-episode finale. I am so excited. Uh, And we also have our our Mandalorian Season 3 Watch Club, which is taking a bit of a break, but um, we did have our most recent episode featuring the incredible Alden Diaz of Octo Radio, uh, where we discuss the Foundling as well as Alden's Star Wars Mount Rushmore, uh, amongst other things. So definitely go check those out, uh, and I'm sure we'll have another Watch Club very soon. But with that out of the way, let's get to this review. Joining me is my fellow talented and tender Tetramino. (laughs) He's he's Justin, the L-shaped loving Lawrence. Hello. I would be an L-shape. I think I'm like long enough to like bend like an L-shape to fit (laughs) in You'd be the L-shape? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that would definitely be me. It's honestly, it's probably the, the, you know, the lowercase L, I guess is what it is, is the most helpful uh, of the shapes, being able to clear, kind of uh, get get you finally get a Tetris. Have you uh, do you play Tetris a, a of lot? Of course, it's not like yeah. I lived under a rock and don't know what this game is. Was I religious with it? No, no. but I, I've obviously played it, experienced it, um, and I may have uh, picked it back up, if you will, after after yeah. this movie, uh, because yeah, this movie was uh, was a good time. It was it was nostalgic. Yeah, we got to play some Tetris connected. Um, I've been <laughs> with the cables, diving into with it. the old school, like when when you have to like connect the two cables between no, the two no, cables. No. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. No, no, not with a link cable, Justin. Um, I was referring to on the on the PS Five. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> I was uh, as soon as this movie, as soon as I finished watching this movie, I, I like yourself, like I dived so deep into Tetris, and um, yeah, the the VR version of Tetris on uh, on PSVR and it's also on MetaQuest if you have that as well it is it's phenomenal it is so phenomenal and I'm I'm better at Tetris in VR than I am out of VR just cuz you're so hyper focused Uh, on those falling blocks. Uh, But let's get to the synopsis for this movie. Based on the true story of American video game salesman Hank Rogers and his discovery of Tetris in 1988, uh, when he sets out to bring the game to the world, he enters a dangerous web of lies and corruption behind the Iron Curtain. The film stars Taron Egerton, Nikita Efremov, Sofia Lebedeva, Lebedeva, sorry if I'm mispronouncing any of these, Anthony Boyle, Oleg Stefan, Roger Allen, Togo Igawa, Ayane Nagabuchi, Miles Barrow, and Toby Jones. It's directed by John S. Baird and will be streaming exclusively on Apple TV Plus this Friday, March 
31st. So, uh, Justin, uh, let's start off with what worked. I, uh, I'll i kick things off, if you, if you don't mind. Um, right off the bat, like, this movie... You can tell it has its own cheesy charm. Um, it's 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 that confident level of cheese that I think you know you would get from like um like a Cobra Kai kind of idea where you can kind of really you, you see it immediately and it's a little off putting, but then you sort of vibe with it. Uh, and I like the style of the movie. I think they use these eight bit interstitials to set up. Uh, different acts of the movie, which they call it refers to it as levels mm -hmm. uh, throughout the movie. And just the way they introduce new characters with the 8-bit representations of them is really fun. And I think I, I one thing that's kind of immediately noticeable right off the bat is just how much they pushed to give this movie its own visual style. Because at the end of the day, the movie is about distribution rights. Right. So they have to like, they have to zhuzh it up somehow. Yeah, it, this movie's a bit of a mixed bag, though, right? Like, it blends elements of historical drama, a bit of a biopic, and then some video mm -hmm. game elements. I agree with you. I did enjoy some of those interstitial 8-bit mm -hmm. uh, moments because uh, they were fun. Uh, yeah. But I think that they, they were a bit heavy-handed at times. Uh, for instance, in the final moments of the movie, at a very climactic part, you know, we're in this intense live action moment and then it suddenly shifts into incorporating these 8-bit elements and I personally found the shift in tone and style a little jarring and distracting and I appreciate the movie's willingness to, to take some risks and try something new with the combination but I don't know it just it kind of took me out at times um, you know the, the the opening of this movie which is very expositional uh, uses a lot of that 8-bit animation uh, appropriately mm -hmm. um, and rightfully so like I think that that's where it deserved to be up front to help give us a little you know uh, background and uh, key, get us up to speed on the, the history and the players if you will that are involved in this story um, but yeah I, I just don't know I think I think it didn't need to be used everywhere. It was a little, little heavy-handed at times, um, and I, I don't know. I just I think it, it was a bit jarring and distracting overall. Well, and I think that's the thing. Like again, the to me the the style they're confident in how they're presenting this style, but but you're right. It it is um, misplaced sometimes, and I think there's aspects about you know which we'll, we'll maybe get into in a little bit more detail uh, when we talk about things that maybe didn't work as well but like there are aspects about it that I think go go back and forth between the 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 you know the more traditional biopic and the more sort of Hollywoodized version of of this story and I think they kind of they they kind of move back and forth a, maybe a little bit too much uh in that sense but I will say like the what you mentioned the first few moments with with Hank uh narrating um did remind me a lot of uh another great documentary on Netflix uh, called High Score, uh, which if you haven't checked out High Score, definitely check it out. But it does it does move into the the more sort of traditional narrative after that. Um, and I thought it was fun, dude. I, I thought it was fun to see things like yeah, the Game Boy um, or uh, Togo Igawa plays uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi, who was the third president of Nintendo. And if you're like just a fan of Nintendo history and and video game history. Um, it's just it's it was it was really cool to sort of see these pieces uh, and these characters and the, these well these real life people um, in this movie. Uh, and I find that these these biopic movies or these shows, for me, I know that they've done their job if they can get me more interested in the history they're telling. 
where like I want to learn about them even after I've watched the movie. Like I think back to when I was Google searching, uh, you know, information about like the Lakers after watching Winning Time, right? Or you know, I immediately after this movie, I, I sent you a link for a fantastic documentary on YouTube uh, called The Story of Tetris, which is by the gaming historian, and I think that works as a really great sort of second course if you want more information. Uh, real life information from from this story, um, but yeah, I, I I mean I think I don't know, man. I I, I enjoyed the, the the sort of the the fun camp uh, in this movie. I kind of I I, I kind of feel like it, it should have maybe picked a lane a little bit more, um, and and it kind of it, it kind of does some things really good, like you said, and then other times you're kind of. It, it might not be the right place. Well, I think the, the strength of this movie is the fact that it, it roots its origin story in a political drama, political thriller. It, yeah. it, you know, it kind of parodies it with the origin of a video game, right? Uh, that part worked for me. That part worked for me more than than leaning into having to show everything in an 8-bit Tetris block video game style. I thought that was a little more cliche than heavy-handed at times. It worked in the front, like I said, in the introduction, but I don't know if I needed it throughout the rest. But I did enjoy this movie because of its political history. The movie reminds me of a movie that uh, Ben Affleck did called Argo, where oh, it yeah. takes a real historical moment. And I think this movie adopts some of the filmmaking styles to help intensify the stakes of the situation. And, and granted, this is a Cold War. It's not like a looming war like Argo was dealing with. And really, at the end of the day, you know, Tetris is the, at the core of this story. So it can't be all doom and gloom. Like there has to be a little bit of an upbeat nature to it. Um, You've been talking about Taron Egerton as Hank Rogers. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He really does carry this movie wholeheartedly. Just sometimes I'm just watching it. And I'm just like, man, this guy is such a good actor. Like yeah. he's he's so committed, and like the way he leans into the intense moments of like where he's got to get this deal. You know what I mean? It's just it's so important. Like you see it in his face that he has everything riding on this, and you know he's also the one that is kind of the smartest the most genuine i i do think that out of the people that he's competing with for these rights of the the video game he was the most honest he was the most yeah. straightforward uh the other two who represented you know more money in their pocket they were distrusting and i think that it, it was great to cast uh taron egerton in this role as as hank rogers because he he gave that vibe of of being just an honest guy amongst these billionaire crooks absolutely yeah and i think i think he he does sort of um i think he does carry this movie uh, a little bit uh on his back i think the only other highlight that i would definitely shout out um would be nikita efremov um who plays alexi and and i think his you know it, it kind of the narrative at one point sort of shifts where you sort of start to recognize that yes you want to root for for uh hank rogers but you really want to root for 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 alexi because alexi is is the one that he's the creator but he's also the one who i think deserves more and and is going through uh, a much worse situation than hank uh in russia and and they definitely you know i think they definitely do a a, a good job of sort of showing um you know the restrictions and and sort of the the political uh, aspects of being in in russia at that time and and everything that was kind of going on around them um and it, it to a, to a certain degree, Justin, I, I kind of agree with you where I was, I kind of wanted them to lean a little bit more into that at times. Um, 
and they sort of they, it's sort of a little bit looser. It's a little bit lighter. Um, it doesn't go too dark in tone. It did feel a bit TV movie uh, at times with with that stuff. It sort of is like at the end of the I day, guess. but sure. at the end of the day, it's not like you know people died and you know wars were started because of Tetris's right. distribution rights that we know. You of. know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, yeah. At the end of the day, this this is amped up a lot more than I think that it actually was in real life because you know you watched the 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 history and the documentary as well on on YouTube from uh, the gaming historian, I believe mm -hmm. his name was, and outlines the the ins and outs of the situation. And I can imagine that there was just a lot of conversations, a lot of back and forth and yeah. getting to a deal that everyone's happy. And I think that's the success of this film is to take that situation and frame the story in a lens that can help amplify it, which is a political thriller, right? So Right. And, and I'm going to get to that because I, I definitely think that that was something that didn't fully work for me yeah, in it didn't terms work of the, entirely. the yeah, pacing it, yeah. um, and how they handled that. But just before we, we get into what didn't work uh, music even was further, incredible. the music, dude. Like, yeah. uh, okay, Lauren Balfe, I think, did a great job. Retro 80s vibes, a bit of Stranger Things sort of synth. I mean, how can you not at this point? Yeah, I, I but guess it's, it's the time period. You got to remember, it's not that Stranger Things invented synth music. They're just exploiting it, right? Do you <laughs> right. know what I mean? And brought it back. And yes. both of these examples, Stranger Things and Tetris, use the synth music as a product of the time period that it's referencing. It's just right. a resurgence in, in popular culture. But yeah, it, it fit perfectly. And I think the music deserved to be there more than yeah. those Tetris block visuals that we were talking about before. I don't, because I it don't brought think in, we needed them. It brought well, in it, like video game nostalgia quality especially in the, the right Tetris amount theme exactly being and, sort it, of and it leaned into in. that drama yeah. right so i think it was it was placed far more better than than the, those visuals were in my opinion okay also just before we move on uh you did bring up uh the game boy um i absolutely loved how prolific that moment oh. was it just it was so yeah and it was and the way everyone yeah. was just like is that like you know 64 bit or you know, <laughs> no color screen. Like he was just so intrigued, handheld. right? Like and, and yeah, handheld. Like it was just it was it was like a mind like, break. Cable coming off of it, and <laughs> yeah, it was a mind break. And how quickly he was able to like, you know, say, hey, like check out my game, right? Like yeah. you know, right off the bat, and you know, it, you can see the spark in their eyes. So that was a really like one of the standout moments from the movie was just how prolific that was. So well, and it's cool too with with Nintendo seemingly being a little more open. Uh, than they usually are with Hollywood, right? And, and rightly so after after what happened with that original Mario Bros. movie. Uh, but we got the new Mario Bros. movie coming up, and I think I think even just them being like, yeah, you can you can have our third president as a character in this movie, and and you can have the Game Boy, um, and and all this, you know, use the use of Nintendo yeah. and what have you. I think it was talk about the history of our of our company, really yeah. cool. Because it it was that's that was really cool is how N Nintendo really factored into all of this these agreements and the distribution and you know if it wasn't for what Hank was doing and working with them, uh, I don't think they would have gotten all of the rights that they did. Right, so. Uh, it's it's a really interesting story to to kind of see evolve and to see how simple contract regulations, you know, what I mean, <laughs> and rules and how that works. Like, yeah, it's something so simple, but it's definitely like we were talking about. It's it's definitely zhuzhed up with this political thriller yeah. uh, aspect, which I think works well for it because it, it frames the movie in a, the right point of history versus where, like you said, the camp and the cheese 
whether it be from the the uh, the, the the video game aesthetics, uh, you know these the cube the the block pixelated looks and you know title frames and stuff like that, you know that seems a little heavy handed over over everything else. So yeah, I, I thought that was one moment though that felt really authentic and just stood out as being like, damn, that 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 was cool. It was definitely a highlight for sure. Um, I, I, let's get into what didn't work. I think the movie has a bit of a misunderstanding of how it wants to tell its story where there were times when the, the, like based on a true story was taken a little more loosely and we get great action moments and fun, you know, sort of spy thriller, uh, you know, aspects. But then we also get moments where they, they, they might've stayed a little bit too true to the based on a true story aspect in terms of like. In terms of just the the way that the story is structured itself, having to hit the beats in, you know, historical accurate order. And so there's a, a, a level of repetitiveness that sort of comes into the middle of the film with the negotiations going back and forth that just sort of felt it, a little it bogs it down. I really I totally bogged agree. Down. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I think that um you know, th- that part from a pacing standpoint, I entirely agree. I think that part really kind of slowed it down and it was almost a bit tricky to try to follow what was going on, which is why I'm glad you sent the the YouTube do- documentary because I was mm-hmm. able to at least confirm what I was understanding and and, and correct what I wasn't. Right. Um, and I, I think though that like that's where this movie is is definitely a mixed bag, like I was saying. And I think it, it has so many different um, parts of a of of a movie like the political thriller, like the historical event doc docu series, and then you know it has the action spy piece as well, and it's just all these different building blocks of storytelling that it just doesn't know which one it wants to to become. It's just taking bits and pieces of all of it. You're saying and- this movie wouldn't be very good at Tetris. <laughs> it probably <laughs> wouldn't be, uh, you know, not to say though, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I just think right. that this is, this was the opportunity that I noticed most was it didn't know what lane to stick in. It didn't know, yeah. you know, how to take all of these building blocks of storytelling and, and fuse it together in, in a, in a cohesive way that it didn't become apparent, right? Like it was almost, there's almost too much, like they could have taken some things out. You know what I mean? They could have focused a little bit more on, on the relationships. Like I really loved uh, what they were highlighting between uh, Hank and Alexi and that bond that great was great chemistry, and, yeah, great chemistry yeah. between them. It was a, like electric, and I think that they, you know, could have focused on that a little bit more, and you know that bond that they had. But you know, instead, we got this sort of mishmash of of different types of storytelling mixed in here. Um, that I think, again, like you're mentioning, it affects the overall pacing and and understanding of the situation. I also want to just kind of mention the the villains in the movie i think their performances felt extremely cartoonish at times um and again i enjoy the cheese in this movie but there were times where the antagonist just felt too silly uh roger allen who plays robert maxwell he's a sort of big 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 boss guy right big billionaire boss and dude at times I thought that I was watching a Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. Like I, I, I really did. Like they were just, they were a bit too much uh, for, for me because again, there are moments as we just mentioned that the movie does take itself really seriously. And then when they sort of, when those characters show up, it's just kind of, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work for me with, with the antagonist. And I think those, that's a really important 
aspect to the story. You know, you've got the really charming Taron Egerton and then, or Egerton or however you want to pronounce his last name, uh, Egerton. Uh, and, uh, and then you've got these villains and they just, none of them sort of live up to him. They, they don't really, they, you need, I don't know, you need a good antagonist when you've got such a charming protagonist. Sure, absolutely, but I, I don't think he was the only antagonist, right? Like no, Toby I'm Jones was great. Of the, you you like Toby Jones? Toby Jones was okay. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But like, I also think though that we're looking at the climate of the time of the eighties. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think that these these are boastful personalities that fit that time that timeline versus you know than someone today. Maybe it comes off a little like they hammed it up. It was um, a bit hammy. I guess so, maybe, but like I, I didn't mind it. I, I don't think it was it was as bad. Uh, I think Anthony Boyle, who played Kevin Maxwell, was was a little intense. Um, and and the Russian uh, played by um, um, Igor Grabuzov, uh, he plays Valentin. The he's, he's one of the sort of the head communist uh, leads. Um, he was he was pretty. I don't know. I, I I could I could agree with what you're saying with him. Yeah. A little more cartoonish, like he's playing the the typical Russian villain. Um, I thought the makeup though for for Robert Maxwell was was great. Like, have you have you seen a picture of? Oh yeah. Of Robert Maxwell, like spot on. Like they, spot on. they literally ch- changed Roger Dallum to to look like him. It was fantastic. I um I also will say hearing Toby Jones say Mister Rogers. Yeah. Uh, was great, even if it was a Russian accent instead of a German one. I was just like, oh, <laughs> my, my little Marvel uh, alert went off. Um, let's get into our final thoughts, which for this movie, we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five Tetraminos. Well, you know, at first glance, it seems strange to base a movie on a video game about falling blocks, but Tetris manages to turn this seemingly simple concept into a thrilling political drama, which, in my opinion, really works for the movie. The movie delves into the fascinating story behind the creation of the game and the intense competition between American and Soviet developers during the Cold War era. The casting for this movie is spot on with an outstanding performance from Taron Egerton as the American entrepreneur who sees the potential of Tetris as a cultural phenomenon. And equally impressive is Nikita Efremov's Alexei, the original designer of the game, who becomes embroiled in the game's success. You know, the chemistry between the two actors was authentic. It was electric. And and the scenes together uh, created more intrigue. And I thought, you know, they could have leaned into their relationship a little bit more. Uh, The film is a clever blend of real-life historical events and video game elements. While I enjoyed the video game-inspired music, I did find the use of 8-bit imagery heavy-handed and a drastic shift in tone and style, which came off jarring at times. But what really sets Tetris apart is its exploration of the complex political scenario that surrounded the game's creation. The movie delves into the tensions between the two superpowers and the lengths they are willing to go to gain an advantage in the global cultural landscape with Tetris. It's a it's an interesting ride from start to finish, but overall, while I enjoyed aspects of Tetris, it is clear that it's trying to be unique as it utilizes a variety of genres in an attempt to keep the audience engaged, to help add more depth to the story. However, in the end, this creates an inconsistent tone to the overall movie, making it apparent that it doesn't really know what lane it wants to stick in. Therefore, I'm going to be giving this movie a 3.5 out of 5 Tetraminos. All righty. Yeah, I uh, I had a, a lot of fun with this movie. I think um I think it's it's a it's a 
uh, a messy Hollywood representation of the accounts with um, caricature, caricature level performances at times from the villains uh, and the surrounding characters. And there's moments that feel as cheesy as a movie from the 80s, which, again, that that if that was their intention, that totally worked. Um, I think the the charm is in that cheese and it's either that's either going to work for you or it's it's going to work against you the entire time and I, I will say yeah there there are moments with this movie where i kind of wish they like you said would pick a lane they would they would uh pick a lane to drop their blocks into and and focus on that uh and and really um give us a movie that is either holistically a, a serious dark spy thriller um or a really campy cheesy thing that where I wouldn't mind the villains being the way they were in this movie. Um, I think, you know, I think there's those elements hold it back from being excellent. Um, but this is a story that is so interesting and got me captivated to not only want to play more Tetris, uh, but also learn more about its history. Um, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that in the credits they do show uh, some clips and a little bit of footage of like Alexi and like the real photos and and some some real you know imagery from uh, actual history um, of of the story, and that was kind of got me super compelled to be like, okay, I gotta see more of this mm-hmm. um, and see you know the the news article or the news uh, broadcast from back then and and what mm-hmm. have you. Um, but this movie is a, it's a fun time. And I think the, the, the story deserves to have a wider audience than, you know, no shade to the gaming historian phenomenal on YouTube, but Apple TV is able to give this story the audience that it, it deserves. Um, and I think that there's a lot in the, in the tech industry and the video game industry that there's just so much that could be made into some really fantastic movies. And I think this is a, a decent um, push for for that idea. Um, yeah, if you can get past the cheesiness and then the unintentionally comedic villains, um, I think you're going to have a really good time with this movie. Uh, I'm going to give this movie... Uh, I can't give it a Tetra, unfortunately, which is... Uh, that's a 4, Justin. Um, but I am, uh, like yourself, I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 Tetra Minos. Uh, but that is it. We hope you enjoyed this spoiler-free review for Tetris. And if you did... Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this movie or any of the movies we cover, well, I'm going to do a line-clearing hard drop over to Justin so he can let you know how you can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if you want, you can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Dude, I thought you were going to make a joke about like, but if that's like trying to play your Game Boy without a lamp. Oh, I'm not, I'm not that smart. <laughs> Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our spoiler-free discussion for the Apple TV Plus original series, Ted Lasso Season 3, Episodes 1 to 4, uh, which if you've already been watching it, I highly recommend our spoiler-free discussion. Uh, we, you know, on it, during it, we, 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 we cry laughing and we laugh crying. 
Uh, and it's honestly just like a really lovely conversation. So definitely check out that episode. We also have our most recent This Week in Geek episode out where we were lucky to have uh, been joined by Q107's Fearless Fred. We hung out with Fred to discuss some Star Wars news that's uh, pretty outdated by now, actually, with some changes that have happened uh, since then. But we did also talk about The Punisher returning to Disney+. Plus, uh, and we discussed Fred's new comic series with his first issue out now. Uh, the series is called Dead Romans, and it's published by Image Comics. Um, definitely check out that comic. Uh, it's honestly, it's fantastic. First issue's out. Justin and I have read it. Really good stuff. Chef's kiss, as Justin says. Um, we also have some great interviews to check out now, like our interview with Mandalorian producer and director Rick Famuyiwa, as well as Bo Katan Kreese herself, Katie Sackoff. Uh, and if you're a fan of a certain Apple TV Plus series that involves musicals, uh, well, we've got a couple of interviews coming up that you will not want to miss. So subscribe here, you know, subscribe over at YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And check out our TikTok at We Are Geek Centric to catch some highlights of other interviews we've done. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this puzzling review. And as we say, love ya. Peace. Peace.